Hello and welcome. This is Amanda, the founder of Astrology Hub, and you're listening to Frank Answers with award-winning astrologer and author of Getting to the Heart of Your Chart, Frank Clifford. In this weekly show, Frank answers your most pressing questions about timing, so-called negative chart placements or transits, your relationships, and more. If you have a question you'd like considered for the show, please go to astrologyhub.com slash frankanswers and submit it today. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy Frank's empowering and validating astrological insights and guidance. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another Frank Answers presented by Astrology Hub. My name is Frank Clifford, and I want to thank you all for the emails you're sending to Astrology Hub with these questions. I appreciate your kind comments and feedback as well. And I hope that I'm not only answering some of your questions as I go along, doing one or two a week, but also you're getting an insight into how I might approach things, how I might phrase things if I do that job well enough, and also looking at some charts and being curious in how you might answer these questions too. I must say that there are certain questions that get sent in that don't have enough information uh, about them, like um, tell me what my future is going to be, that sort of thing. And I, I, it's unlikely that I'll answer questions like that because without context, without knowing what it is that you, uh, where you're at, what you need from your life, I don't want to make too many presumptions. Now, we do work from a map, a birth chart map, where we, we've seen all sorts of connections over the years and we've, we, we astrologers have seen lots of ways that these planets have acted out in people's lives. But the process that I like to consider when I'm doing research is to research biographies or ask people questions or be in dialogue with clients about their charts rather than make too many uh, assumptions about who they are, what they're doing with their chart. So there are some questions that come through that are a bit too open-ended and need more of a dialogue. So when we do more Q&As later with my work with Astrology Hub, or you see me on a Q&A somewhere else, pop in, ask some questions, and we'll get the dialogue happening there. I'm just reluctant to answer uh, deeply personal questions or questions that don't have enough information attached to them. Uh, And I would rather say nothing than do harm by by saying more than I should or more than uh, that is appropriate at the time. So that may be the reason why um, I, I steer clear of certain questions in this format. But of course, Q&As and other situations where we can talk face to face or at least on Zoom with the, with the sound uh, is um, is often a way to to get more information, to find out what it is you're really needing. And as we know, questions can be uh, very interesting and they can be loaded. I'll give you an example. Um, When I'm teaching uh, election astrology, which is the art of electing the best time for a project or a launch, uh, we, we work with clients on exactly what they need. 
And when I'm doing some horary astrology with clients and teaching that to students, um, often questions are loaded in such a way they really mean something else. And I, the example I often give with horary, the art of answering uh, questions using the, the chart of the moment, the chart of the hour, horary, that's what it means. Um, the example I, I often give is um, a client who came to see me with a horary and other things as well. It was an ongoing consultation. And she said to me, um, uh, will I move to Spain? And I thought that's quite a simple uh, horary question. And we were looking at that. And it the horary itself usually speaks answers the question and it looks like the question that's the remarkable thing about that moment in time it's going to reflect your engagement with the client and with the cosmos it looked nothing about travel relocating and it was a bit unusual it seemed to be focused more on relationships and it turned out that really the question was not will I move to Spain but will my partner my boyfriend leave his wife and we always said that if he left his wife, we would then live in Spain and move together and start a new life in another country. So that's a, an example of a question that's really loaded. And it's really more about what is happening in my relationship with this man and what is happening with, with, with his wife. Uh, which, of course, that question raises some ethical issues, of course, about answering about other people's relationships. But it was framed in such a way that it seemed very simple. Will I move move to Spain? Uh, but it was really, will he leave his wife and will we get to do what we always said we would do? And, of course, he could leave his wife and they decide not to go to Spain. So it was a, a very interesting horror and it was an interesting consultation. So questions are... Um, tricky and loaded at times. And uh, that's why in this situation with Frank Answers, I'm, I step back a little bit and think about the question, think how I could be of help and certainly not do any harm or, or worry. So that's, that's what I try to do. So I'm hoping I'm succeeding in that. Okay. So on to the question of the week, and it's from Rachel. And Rachel says, uh, it's a really interesting question because it's, it can be answered in many different ways. It says here, I've always had issues getting along with people who have the moon in Scorpio. Uh, and, you know, the, the sign of Scorpio, again, is a sign that's loaded with insinuation, with reputation, and all sorts of things that uh, that come with the idea of being a Scorpio. And I have clients and friends who don't tell people they're a Scorpio. I even had one client many years ago who put her birth date um, back 10 days and said she was a Sagittarian uh, because she didn't want that um, reputation of what people assume you're going to be like if you're a Scorpio. And I've had other clients and friends who relish the idea and or the fear or the anticipation of what that might mean. And they love to tell people they're a Scorpio. Anyway, it's one of those signs that are quite, um, should we say misunderstood in the Zodiac uh, and uh, a scene in extreme. And it is a sign that deals with the extremes of life, but it also uh, ends up attracting other people's projections of what they don't want to deal with. 
And I've written a lot about that over the years, actually, with Scorpio. And they'll often push people's buttons and people will say, I don't like that about you, Scorpio. And in fact, it's something that the person is very uncomfortable with. But the authenticity of a Scorpio sun, a Scorpio moon or a Scorpio ascendant almost is, is so strong that other people have a difficult time seeing other sides of themselves that they're not comfortable with. So Scorpio is a button pusher, shall we say. So it's, it's interesting, Rachel, that we have a question on that. So Rachel says she's often has difficulty getting along with people who've got the moon in Scorpio, yet these people seem drawn to me like a magnet. Is there a reason uh, for this. Okay, so let's take a look at your chart, Rachel, and see. And some of you may be wondering what her chart contains for, for this uh, to, be, to be so important. So let's share the screen. Here we go. So this is Rachel's chart. A couple of things I want to say about it and different ways you can look at it. Again, without too much information, I'm just going on the fact that Scorpio is attracted to Rachel. Now, first of all, Scorpio is a water sign. We know that. And it's a real still waters run deep type of sign. And it's also been called because it's fixed water. It's been called the iceberg, where the real power, the strength is below the surface. Uh, so Scorpio, we think of like uh, Cancer as the babbling brook or the, the movement of cardinal water and Pisces as the ocean. But Scorpio is this very strong iceberg uh, or power-packed, um, solid, fixed water. So different, uh, different images we might have. The other image, of course, is Scorpio. Instead of the scorpion is the eagle or the phoenix, where the Scorpio rises above the basic walking on the land nature and is a more spiritual creature as well. And we, I've met a lot of Scorpios that are pursuing um, that aspect of their natures. And I meet more of those than I do of the typical Scorpio blurb you get in books about being sex mad or vindictive or, or all of those labels that it seems to attract. So looking at Rachel's chart, it's fascinating because Scorpio being a water sign is immediately attracted to that which it is not. And what you find often is that air signs, and Rachel's just got the sun in Gemini, she's also got Jupiter in Libra, another air sign. But as a sun in Gemini, um, air signs are very, very attractive to water signs. Now, we normally astrologically think of air and uh, um, air, fire and air. The so-called positive masculine signs of fire and air um, getting on well. And we think of earth and water as also another match between the, the two elements. And we can see why, because earth needs water and water needs some substance of earth and the fire and air get on well elementally, of course. But water is very attracted to air because it can't quite imagine, particularly Scorpio, can't quite imagine a sign that is so light and breezy and that is fascinated with many, many things instead of being focused or obsessed or tunnel visioned about certain things, particularly emotionally. So you often find that Scorpio is attracted to Gemini, such a very different quality. Scorpio is attracted to air 
generally uh, because of that. And air is fascinated how Scorpio can be so deep, so intense, so focused, so attached to the emotional issue when air prides itself generally on being quite objective. Um, and able to distance herself, or at least to view things with some uh, objectivity. That's the first thing. The second thing is that signs, when you look at your sun, moon, and ascendant, the big three, as we often call them, and I think in spite of some people rejecting that idea of the big three, they're, they're still the best way to get into the chart the sun, moon, and the ascendant, to look at them, see what they have in common, see how they differ. But your big three will often draw into your life the signs that are five signs away, what we call quincunx. Now, the quincunx is an aspect that's 150 degrees, and we give that quite a small orb. But when I say quincunx, I really just mean generally five signs away. And as you can see, Gemini here, where the sun is in Gemini, in Rachel's chart, is one, two, three, four, five signs away from Scorpio, and five signs away from Capricorn. So you often find that people with the sun, moon, or ascendant, in Gemini, bring a lot of Scorpio and Capricorn people into their lives, people who have got the sun, moon, or ascendant in those. And some of you may have your sun, moon, and ascendant in signs that are five signs apart as well, and you're part of that living and breathing part of that quincunx dynamic. But there's something so fascinating with the signs next door to each other and the signs five signs away. So there's something like a magnetic attraction. So look at your chart, think of your sun, moon, and ascendant, and think what is, what's five signs away from there? And you'll notice that people with the sun, moon, and ascendant will congregate. <laughs> Geminis will attract, whether you've got the sun, moon, or ascendant there, you'll attract a lot of Scorpio people, Scorpio energy, and you'll attract a lot of Capricorn energy. Because Gemini's mutable air and you couldn't get further away from that right, with fixed water, Scorpio, or cardinal earth. Very, very different energies, cardinal and fixed versus the mutability of Gemini, and also the earth and the water, very different from the air of Gemini. So that's the first thing to think about. Rachel being a sun in Gemini is going to attract people with strong Scorpio energy. They're going to be, as I said, um, attracted to something that they've not uh, essentially. Scorpio is also a very silent sign. It's called traditionally a mute sign. All the water signs are considered mute because they're, they're fish, they're underwater, uh, they're um, unable to speak like the, some of the animals like Taurus and Aries, some of the zodiac images. Um, and Gemini, of course, is the twins chattering away, chatting to each other, questioning, always questioning, looking for different perspectives. I always say Gemini says, okay, you could try this, but on the other hand, Gemini rules the hands. On the other hand, you might wanna look at it this way, for example. So Scorpio is of course, the strong silent type Scorpio is very attracted to that Gemini, uh, chatty, always asking, always curious, always, looking to connect and communicate and vice versa. Gemini is uh, again, magnetically attracted to the strong silent type who just feels it, knows it, uh, 
doesn't need to say a word, doesn't, is a poker player, doesn't reveal their cards, that sort of thing. So that's the first thing. You've got a sun that's five signs away from Scorpio and Capricorn. You're going to attract that type of energy, Rachel. The other thing is that your moon is in Taurus along with your Venus. And what often happens astrologically is that we do pull in people who have similar placements like the moon in the opposite sign. Uh, opposite signs are like two um, different sides of the same coin, really. So somebody with a moon in Taurus is focused on an area of living and experiencing the Taurian realm. But also they're going to attract the opposite, uh, where the attachment is not maybe to the material earthy realm, but it's to the emotional realm of Scorpio. So you find a lot of moon and Taurus people uh, in relationships or attracting or attracted to moon and Scorpio. So the opposites attract. They don't tell us what happens after that happens, you know, we say opposites attract, well, what happens next? But there certainly is that spark of differentness. And a moon in Scorpio person is going to show you a depth that's way beyond the moon in Taurus's imagination at times. And the moon in Taurus will give a grounding and a stability to a crisis-driven moon in Scorpio at times as well. Because Taurus is about how to learn to just be, to relax, to enjoy life, to enjoy nature. And the moon in Scorpio can be attracted to the highs and lows of the emotional experience. It's going to be very attracted to this stability of the moon in Taurus. Okay, so two different ways of that. And of course, there's always the idea, Rachel, of um, we what we don't want to own in ourselves. We meet in other people, we get... Uh, we get introduced to through other people, through relationships, things that we don't want to own, we project onto other people as well. So if you're having issues with Moon and Scorpio people, understand what it is that gets you. Is it um, a sense of emotional depth, possessiveness, maybe, and then wanting to go deep, wanting to investigate you? The Moon and Scorpio is always a natural detective. Is it that? Or is it something else? Have a look at what it is in yourself that, that it's triggering and whether it's something that you can invite into your life in a way that works well for you. We all have that. And I've discussed this in, in various uh, videos with Amanda and also in the recent, uh, the recent um, webinar that I did. Uh, you know, opposites attract. We also live out and we follow parts of our charts and sometimes we wallow in the opposite signs as well or we we don't want to experience that or we we fear that so um there are lots of different ways you can you can approach this as well i ho hope i've given you a few of them the quincunx the five signs apart is a great way of starting but also looking at your moon sign and knowing that you're going to attract moon signs of the opposite to show you a different way the different side of the same coin and polarities are a great way to start when we're learning astrology because they really are six sets of signs. Aries, Libra, Taurus, Scorpio, Gemini, Sagittarius, Cancer, Capricorn, Leo, Aquarius, and Virgo, Pisces. They have a lot in common. And uh, we, get, we can learn a tremendous amount from our opposite signs, particularly 
the opposite signs to our sun, moon, and ascendant. Okay, I hope that answers your question. I hope that uh, is of interest to, to the rest of you watching. Take good care of yourself and I will see you again soon. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Frank Answers. If you'd like to submit your very own question, just go to astrologyhub.com slash frankanswers and fill out the form today. That's astrologyhub.com slash frankanswers. If you love what we do and would like to support our work, please subscribe to the podcast, give us some stars and leave us a review. It does so much to help us get quality astrology out to the world. And we appreciate any time you spend doing this. Thank you for listening in today. And as always, thank you for making astrology a part of your life.